0: Um, such a blessing to not have to do life on our own, and and I hope that you, uh, even just for a moment, if you're not a regular part of the body here, that you feel uh, even just the, the desire to be near to the people of God, because we desperately need it. We're going to be in Psalm 119. We're going to take a few weeks before we jump into the book of James at the beginning of February, and we're going to start this year looking at Psalm 119, so you can kind of go there. Um, it's in the middle of your Bible. I'd encourage you to have a Bible or something in front of you. We're going to... We're going to look at several passages and particularly if you stayed up late last night, you might need something in front of you to keep you a little bit more engaged. There's probably two sections of people like those who stayed up late and are tired and those who forgot it was New Year's day because they went to bed at 830. I've met both of you this morning already, actually. So Um, we're going to be in Psalm 119. And so the new year provides um, a unique moment where, where we look back on the last year. And probably second to no other days in a year, we, we do so with a kind of evaluative lens. We look back on, um, on just the ways in which God was remarkably faithful again to us, right? Like the different shades of his, his mercy and his grace that carried us when we, when we needed it like the way he provided for us, the promises that we saw come true and come to life in his word, like the ways that he sustained us in moments that were difficult, like the, the pinnacles of the joys that were just a reminder to us of his goodness as well as just the way he carried us in the challenges of our years. And maybe more so than anything, like we reminded like for 365 days of the year, like God loved us even though we didn't love him the way that we should.
1: That in Jesus Christ, because of our faith in him,
0: that God loves us. Not because we're lovely or lovable, but because he chooses to love his people graciously and faithfully and consistently. And so I pray there's some measure of you that can look back and be like, yeah, God was really good. His mercies are new this year, newer even than they were last year. They're going to come in different forms and shapes and sizes, but we celebrate, right? So we look back with a, a sense of gladness the faithfulness of God, but then there's this, also this weird paradox because we usually look back with a degree of sadness. You might even say regret. And there's some measure of New Year's resolutions that are kind of born out of like a feeling of regret or deficiency. And we look back and like, man, I need to work out more. That's why I'm getting this gym membership, right? Or I need to eat better. Or I need to read my Bible more. I need to be home more with my family, right? So all of those things, the resolutions that some of you may already have, and they're not wrong. Don't take that away from what I'm saying. But they're usually born out of a sense of deficiency. It might even be sadness. And so this moment kind of gives us the both feelings of gladness and sadness, glad at the faithfulness of God, confronted with our own frailty and failures over this last year, And so this morning, there's a degree, like, when when we look at Psalm 119 this morning, I want to kind of hold both of those things in view. There's this gladness and the faithfulness of God, because we get grace even when we fail. But there's a, a degree of sobriety when we're confronted with the fact that we continue to fall short, and we need the grace of God to help us to grow. Like, we need to groan, like, in a real way to grow and be more like Jesus this year than we were last year. So in that sense, there's a degree of sadness that we look back on last year because we want to be more like God this next year. So Psalm 119, uh, if you've been around for a while, uh, I've, I've preached about this psalm many times. I've preached part of it before. Uh, if you've never spent time in Psalm 119, let me just commend you. If you're going to make a New Year's resolution, spend time in this psalm. It's 176 verses. And apart from a, a few debatable Verses in this psalm, 176 of them, almost every single one speaks of the Word of God in some way. It uses different words like precepts, commandments, laws, ways, words, promises, statutes, law, all these things. Almost every single one of the 176 verses speaks of the Word of God. And if you can kind of picture a kaleidoscope, You know, all of us probably at this point have used one of those things in our lives. Kids, if you haven't, ask your parents about it. They'll get you one for the new year. Um, But if you've used one, you know that like you turn it, the ingredients stay the same in a kaleidoscope. But as you turn it, they hit the light differently and they create a different picture. And that's kind of an apt description of Psalm 119. It's like every verse is like a subtle twist of the same ingredients, namely the word of God. And it hits it with a different light and beauty. And so that's really the, the theme of this psalm, is the beauty, worth, and power of God's Word. So we're going to spend three weeks looking at this. This morning, I want to talk about the blessing of walking in the Word.
1: And then we're going to take two
0: weeks to look at the, the, the discipline, discipline required, required to, to walk, walk in the, the Word, and then the delight found in, in walking, walking in the, the Word. So psalm 119. 119. We're going we're to read the first eight verses and focus primarily, primarily on the first four, but we're going to read this This section, Mm -hmm.
1: the first first eight eight verses, this this, this book is is broken broken up into 22 stanzas
0: that all stand for a letter in the Hebrew Hebrew alphabet, so you'll see 22 breaks in the psalm, and the first first one is these first eight eight verses, and it says says this, this is God's word for us. us. It says, says, blessed are those those whose whose way is is blameless, blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So verses 1 through 3 state the blessing. So walking in,
1: the word is walking in the path of blessing. We'll talk a little bit about what does blessing mean.
0: That word is thrown around a lot. We'll get there in just a moment. But it's not those, it's not, those who are blessed aren't the ones who know the commands. It's not the ones who understand the commands that the blessing falls to those who who do them who walk in the word of god who walk according to the ways of god blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the lord blessed are those who keep his testimony seek him with their whole heart or do no wrong but walk in his ways it's pretty clear our walk our ways our words, our lives are going to be defined by keeping God's holy law, as it were. So Jesus even talked about this in John 13, as he gave them an example of loving one another, washing their feet. In verse 15 of chapter 13, he says, For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are the ones who walk in the ways of the Lord. Not just apprehend them, not just hear them, but actually apply them and seek to do them in their lives. For those who love God and desire to live for him, our knowing leads to our doing. We don't just amass Christian knowledge. But having apprehended what God says about himself and the way we're called to live, we actively seek to do those things. Our eyes see, our minds learn, and our feet walk. And being blameless, aligning your life with God's word is itself a source of blessing. So I want to make this really clear because it's not just, hey, conform your behavior to look better for the world. There's some degree to which, yeah, your behavior matters to your testimony before the world. But there's inherent blessing found in walking according to the word of God. Let me just kind of demonstrate this in a few different ways. In verse 40, if you're in Psalm 119, just look over to verse 40. It says, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness give me life. Righteousness, the righteousness namely that mimics the character of God, gives life to those who follow it. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So you can say it this way, there's an inward revival that comes to the man or woman who walks in the word of God. An inward revival. We are changed from the inside out. Revive my soul according to your word. And from your power. Let me just kind of give you a few layers of this. As I've been studying Psalm 119, let me just give you a few shades of the blessing of walking in the Word of God. Here's just a brief few. The first is comfort and affliction. Now, this year will come with some degrees of difficulty for all of us. There will be difficult moments. For some of us there'll be really severe difficulty. And it's notable to to understand that the blessing of walking in the Word, part of it is that you have comfort in affliction. Let me just read these three brief passages. There's more in this psalm, but verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. I sent this to Pam, and we had some exchange about it, just talking about Michael's cancer. What gives life to the person who's afflicted? It's not just change of circumstances. It's the promise of God It's over and above circumstances in this life. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life because God is faithful to his promise, always has been, always will be. Verse 92 in Psalm 119, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Implication is, if your law is my delight, I will not perish in my affliction. Verse 107, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. One of the blessings of walking in the word of God is comfort in affliction. I'm just going to go through these quickly. Each of these could be a sermon.
1: The second is this, protection in temptation. Look at verses 9 through 11, right under what we just read a second ago.
0: Some of you know this. There's a question asked, how can a young man, certainly a young woman, keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Protection and temptation. Thirdly, strength in the midst of opposition. This is all over this psalm in various ways. There's two brief examples. Verse 157. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. Verse 161, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. If you have opposition in your life because of your faith in God, God's prescription for you to find his blessing in that space is to delight in his word, to walk in his word. And that will be what will give you stability even in the face of opposition. They oppose me, I follow you. They come at me, I'm coming after you. That's the recipe we see in this psalm and in other places. Strength in the midst of opposition. Another shade of the blessing is that the simple receives wisdom. Now let me just break it to you real quick. None of us likes to be called simple. You ready for this though? The Bible says you're simple. Just like me. We're simple-minded, and we are people who need wisdom. And that's the that's the dichotomy given in the Proverbs and this one as well is that there's this picture of like, we are simple, we need wisdom. And the source of blessing we get from the word of God is that the word of God makes us wise, even though we're simple. Verse 130 in Psalm 119, the unfolding of your words give light and imparts understanding to the simple. This is such a sweet picture. Because you look at the, the term unfolding, you know what it means? I don't have to say anything to you. Unfold it. Look at it. Open the Word of God. This is something a tablet can't do, by the way. This is something about unfolding. I'm not <laughs> trying to cap anybody who's using a tablet or something. <laughs> but, but, but be in, in the Word, Word of God. God. Like, open it for yourself. The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Verses 99 through 100 in the same psalm. Give this picture that you have wisdom beyond your years if you walk in the Word of God. And we know from Jesus' description of the role of the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 16 that the, the Spirit of God, when you open the Word of God, if, you, if you're born again
1: as a child of God, the picture is that by the work of the Spirit of God, God has
0: spoken light into darkness. He's opened your eyes when you couldn't see, and now you've seen the glory of God in the face of Christ, and what happens is the Spirit now lives within you to every time you unfold His Word, He gives you fresh light. He still speaks light into the darkness of our hearts. He guides us into the truth. He reminds us of the things that Jesus has said, causes us to see time and time again the glory of God in the face of Christ, to simple receive wisdom. Now I think if, if we were to really kind of look into this year,
1: if somehow, somehow you were to get, get an offer, like, I got, got a proposal, proposal for you,
0: Haley. Here's what your year can look like. Okay, I'm going to offer you uh, comfort. You want to be comforted? You want to be stronger? You want to be more hopeful? More joyful? More secure? More resilient? Wiser? More. Praise, more praise coming from your mouth. You, you want all those things? That almost be like, yeah, of course I want those things. Those are all things promised in Psalm 119 for the person who walks in the Word of God. You want to be stronger? Walk in God's Word. You want to find yourself more resilient in the midst of difficulty? Walk in the Word of God. Blessed are those who keep. His word, whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. And one one question question I would ask, this is one of two questions I'll I'll give you this morning morning just to contemplate, is am I? Like, Like, am am I walking walking in in the word of God? God. As I evaluate my last year, are there particular ways that I didn't walk in in the word of God that I need to moving forward? if those who experience the blessing are the blameless, then have my ways been blameless. And I would say this, it's not every moment. Obviously, we can all look back, and there's countless times. We can't count the amount of times we've failed, violated the Word of God. But are there particular ways where it's not just moments where maybe there's a, there's a massive misalignment in your life? Like your, your life is quite literally misaligned from the Word of God. What are we called to do? Well, we're called to turn our feet, and follow God's way. Starting a new year provides a unique moment to evaluate those 12 months. Most of us pretty naturally say, I want to do this better. I want to be more committed to fill in the blank. I want to be resolved to fill in the blank. And it's actually right and biblical to evaluate your ways. Let me demonstrate this from Psalm 119, verses 59 and 60. Say this. Listen to this part, verse 59. When I think on my does that sound familiar? That's what we do in the new year. I think about my ways. Evaluate how I'm living. If I'm living according to the word of God, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Man, what a recipe for blessing. It's good to think about your ways, family. Like, look at your life. Examine how you're living your life. relationship to the word of God. How does my life, my walk, need to align with God's word this year? What deficiencies did I see last year? We think about it this way, I think about my ways and I turn to his ways without delay. You could put that on a t-shirt. Like we're hasty for holiness, right? Sorry, I know. The phonetics get me every time. That's the picture here. You be hasty about a lot of things and it gets you in trouble. If you're hasty for holiness, there's blessing every time. I think about my ways, I turn to your ways, and I do, do that every time, time without delay. Like, What would your life look like, like if that was true? As you, you look at, at the areas, areas where there are deficiencies, and you say, God, I evaluate my ways, and I turn my feet away from my ways to your ways, and I don't delay to do that. I do it right away. Why? Because there's blessing there. We, tell our kids, we told our kids this from seemingly day one. I mean, they didn't understand it day one, you know what I mean? But there's always blessing and obedience. Like, they've known that from the beginning. There's blessing and obedience. It doesn't necessarily mean material blessing. Everything we described earlier, none of that is material. It's internal. Comfort and affliction, strength and temptation... All those things, there's a fortitude of the child of God that comes, that is something yeah. of the blessing that's described for, for those whose weigh blameless. So the so question, question is, like, is like, am I walking, walking in the word, the word of God? God? The second, second question, question is, 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 am I seeking is, the God of the, of the word? Verse, verse 2, bless those, those who keep his, his testimonies, who seek him
1: with their whole
0: heart. Maybe, maybe we can say, it say it this way, way. Am, am, I am I going, going to the, the word of God to encounter the God, God of the word because there, there can be a way a like devotional life can can, can, can be, be given, given to just an amassing of knowledge, of knowledge. Learning, learning Christian, Christian terms, terms like, like gaining theology, theology. Sound, sound doctrine, doctrine is, is important. important at this, at this point, point if you've, you've been, been here for a while, while you know that we believe in that but are we going to the word of God to get the God of the word
1: do we want to be with him
0: Jesus even said said it, it, talked to to the Pharisees. Pharisees. like like you examine the law, thinking that in in those things you have eternal eternal life. It's it's every every single one one of those that bear witness to me. me. I'm I'm where where life life is found. found. The The God God of the Word. The Word Word. Word incarnate, Jesus Jesus himself. And we, and we, we want, want our, our people, people, as a church, we want to be individuals who encounter Jesus in a saving way and in an ongoing way. way, and it happens to be a people of the Word of God, walking in the Word of God. Blessed are those who, who seek Him with, Him with their whole heart.
1: Is your heart something like, God, I, I want to see you? you. Like, like When you, you go to Scripture, when you open this book, when unfold God, 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 you unfold the Word of God, is your heart
0: saying, God, I want to see you? I want to know you better. I want to love you more. I don't want to just check off a box in my devotional calendar. I want to find you here. Because you you say that you're here. There's blessing in seeking you with my whole heart. and Walking in the Word requires a wholehearted pursuit of God. There's so many places we could look at this, but I want to take a second and just look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, such a mega passage. The second, the second time the law is coming to the Israelites, called the Shema. It's a special moment of charge to the families of Israel. In verses 4 through 9, just real briefly, we'll look at that. There's, There's some similarity, similarity here. You can read verses 1 through 3 and, three and see similarities, similarities about doing the Word of God, God and following His commandments. commandments. But in chapter 6, verses 4, through 9, it says this. It says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's that phrase again. With all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The blessing falls to those who seek God wholeheartedly. Now, if I could just for a second, I wish all the men in the, men the, the body, body were here. here. Because I I want to just for a minute, just kind of lean in. Ladies, just just give me a second second to 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 kind of lean into the guys. Then you get
1: 365 365 days this year.
0: 365, just like you you had last year. And my ask to you is, is, how are you you gonna gonna spend them? them? Are you you gonna gonna spend them living this way with your whole heart seeking after God. God? Because you've, you've been called to be leaders. Your homes, to your families, and the places where God has you. And you're going to be able to do that in so much as you depend on God. And his word is on your heart first. God's word needs to be on our hearts first. It's notable that that's what happens before you go and teach other people.
1: And this word that I tell you
0: should be on your heart. And then... You go, you go and, and teach and instruct, instruct others. Is it on your heart? I mean, what would happen if all of us take really seriously the call to be men of the word? What would happen, happen in, in our homes and in this church and in our, our city? Because we live, we live in, a in a culture where men don't take their lives all that seriously. There's a There's lot, lot of men that spend their lives never having, having grown up. And my, my encouragement is, is to be strong and act, and act like a man. Be, be firm in the face. Let everything you do be done in love. Love for God first. and Love for the people around you just called you to lead. I
1: had, I had, had an, an experience, experience in college. I've shared I've it with my kids. With my I may kids. have I may shared have it on, on Sunday, Sunday morning, morning at some point. point. Uh, but, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't a, a in college. And I had a friend of mine who was unfortunately more self-aware than I was. He wasn't a believer. And he had a What Would Jesus bracelet on the first time they were popular. They've kind of had this resurgence, resurgence of, late. of late but he had but he a, had a, what a what Jesus, Jesus bracelet, bracelet on, on. And, and to his, to his credit, credit he looked at he looked it at and like man my, man my life doesn't, doesn't match with this, this. I, gotta I gotta take this off and so and I so scooped it, it
0: up. up I was like hang on wear that thing. thing so I put, so put, I put it on. on I put it, I put on. it on I was rocking it around college just doing my thing and I was not certainly walking with Jesus nor did I care what he would do at the moment and I had this girl who I knew just a friend and yeah. she saw me on campus one day. She saw my bracelet. She's like, hey, like, what, what is that? I was like, what would Jesus do? It's my bracelet. She's like, yeah, I just, I just, never, I just never took you as the, the guy who would wear that bracelet. I was offended. I was like, what are you talking about? What would Jesus do? Right? Of course. We all want to live that way. I had no idea what I was talking about. She was right. She was like, what are you doing wearing that? Isn't that the life that you live? And there's something about this section in Deuteronomy 6 that resonates with that picture.
1: Because there is this
0: question that we have to ask, like, do we possess the things God has given us to proclaim? And if if we wrote God's words on our body, on our hands, on our foreheads, if you put them on your notebook at school, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, if you're preaching truth in those places, in those ways, would those around us see them and find them consistent with our lives? Our words, our actions, our generosity, our graciousness. Or would they much like my friend, they'd be like, hey, what is this? I can't, I don't, I, I don't see that. I mean, it doesn't match. Is, would that be people's response? If we plastered scripture on the doorposts of our house, would those words first be found in our hearts? And the call in verse two is to seek him with our whole heart. But it's built out in verse three with a common biblical framework of do no wrong and walk in his ways. kind of a put away and put on sort of equation. Psalm 119, verse 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. So I was looking at it this week and just thinking through my own life. I had to ask myself this question Like, are my eyes captivated by anything that's worthless? That's a really, really good question for you to wrestle with. My eyes, my attention, my affection, are they captured, captivated by things that are truly worthless? They don't have any meaning. They don't have any eternal value. They won't last, ultimately. And a psalmist cries to God, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Help me find life here. Help me find you more appealing than this world.
1: If there's anything I pray consistently for my kids, I need to
0: pray more for my own heart. It's like help them to love you more than they love the things of the world. Isn't that our struggle? Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. and Let me find life where it can truly be found. Am I ascribing value to meaningless things, wasting time on things that have no eternal value? Do I have a deep aversion to falsehood? Do I see selfishness as an enemy to righteousness? And the unsettling part about every new year is we always have regrets. Uh, Unless you're some strange exception, like we always need improvement. And you're not. If you think you are, just come see me after. We always need improvement. There's always going to be need for resolutions because there's always going to be a way in which we'll see very vividly our failure from the previous year or years or decades, possibly. We constantly need realignment and reform. We need constant revival. Why? Because our eyes continually look at worthless things. Our hearts are perpetually wrapped up in selfish pursuits. I constantly think about myself. So do you. It's our pattern of life, whether in falsehood or foolishness, sin easily entangles us. And this creates, going back to what I said at the beginning, this sense of sadness, sorrow. And 2 Corinthians 7 kind of gives us the picture. There's There's a sorrow that doesn't lead to anything valuable, a worldly sorrow that just leads to nothing but death and regret. But there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's that picture of as I look at my ways, Let me turn to your ways. As I look at what I do that falls short of the truth, let me turn to the truth. As I find myself trying to grab life in places where you say it's not found, let me look to your law and find life there. And that's the struggle for us. We have not walked in the word of God. We have not sought the God of the word. And this is the wonder of the Christian gospel is that we need God's help to walk in the word and we have God's grace when we don't. And that should encourage every single one of us this morning. So in that call to be blameless, to walk in the ways of God, the first thing we have to be challenged with is like you need and I need desperately the help of God to do what he's called us to do. That's why you see the psalmist. If you just observe one thing in this psalm as you read it, look at how many times the psalmist asks for God's help to do things. I showed you just a few earlier. There's 36 or so that I found as I was studying it. Teach me your statutes. It's in there probably a dozen times. Open my eyes. Don't hide your commandments from me. Give me life. Make me understand. Strengthen me. Enlarge my heart. Set my heart free. Lead me in the path of your commandments. All these things commend to us the fact that, oh, yep, I need the help of God. To honor the ways of God. To be a man who walks in the Word, I need the help of the God of the word. Like I need to appeal to God for help to do the things I don't naturally want to do. And so do you. And so we start there. God, please help me. I need your help to walk in the word. And then we have this just unbelievable grace that when we don't, and there will be times when we don't, that God's grace picks us up and meets us there again. This unimaginable gift. For all the deficiencies we constantly see every new year, God is holding you still, loving you still, faithful to you still, and he'll be faithful again this year. I'll close with this thought, and we're gonna take communion together. Verse 176 in the same psalm. The very end, the very end of this beautiful presentation about the Word of God it says this it says I have gone astray like a lost sheep seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments it's almost like where the Word of God goes the shepherd seeks the sheep I haven't forgotten your commandments Lord seek me because I have gone astray some of you need to hear that this morning. Like your turn, it needs to be a full turn. That you've moved away from the guardian and shepherd of your soul. And God's called you this morning is to come back. Delight in him again. Love him more. But not based on your own resolution or your own effort, but because of the grace of God within you. And that same language we find of lost sheep that's makes us think about shepherds. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, we see this, it says that he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus this morning, what I don't want you to hear is you have to fulfill the law. What I want you to hear is that you have a savior who has fulfilled the law for you. He lived the perfect life you could never live. At the end of that perfect life, he died as if he lived your sinful life in your place, taking the full amount of your debt. All of the years of failure and regret, he took upon himself. He became your sin so that you could become what you're not, namely righteous in the sight of God. And for those who've been born again, when we come to this table, it's a reminder that I'm forgiven in Jesus alone, but it's also a reminder that he saved me for a new life. As a family of faith, we're now called to live for him, and he's given me the power and the grace to do just that. So I pray that we'd be encouraged by that. And let me just invite you to bow your head just for a second, maybe just in a moment of evaluation, contemplate, maybe even ask forgiveness for, confess Agree with God, maybe for particular ways that you know you've gone astray, ways that you've not sought him the way that he deserves, the various ways that you've failed to love him the way he deserves to be loved. And throw yourself upon his grace again. get set to take communion. I always want to speak to you if you're in this room and you've never trusted in Christ and this, the Lord's Supper is not for you. I encourage you to use this time to consider why you haven't believed in Jesus. And as he is gracious to soften your heart, would you believe in him today? As you've examined your own heart, then my encouragement is to come up to the table in front or the one in back and grab a cup and a cracker and and we'll take the elements here as a family in just a, a few minutes. We'll some music playing as we do that. I invite you to stand with me. Just kind of bow your heads with me and pray us through this. Uh, God, we, we need a, a work of your spirit in our hearts to not, not take, take this, this moment, moment lightly, casually, casually. And even though we may have done it thousands of times to be uh, freshly aware of our need for you and freshly amazed at the grace that you offer us. Jesus, we, we thank you that, that you bore our sins in your body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Thank you that, that you died our death and you were pierced through for our sins and crushed for our iniquities. And so we take this cracker in remembrance of you, and a reminder of the, the one day where we'll get to be with you again in heaven, eating this meal together with you, having been saved by your grace. Let's take this cracker together. And Father, as we, as we stare at this little cup uh, full of juice that uh, in some ways is to remind us of the blood of Christ shed for us. I pray that we'd also, also be reminded of the the cup of your wrath that Jesus drank for us. And that every single drop required, required to, to pay, pay our, our debt was paid. And and so we, we can't sing that Jesus, Jesus paid it at all. That every, every single ounce of our judgment he bore
1: that his, and his blood, blood was shed, shed for,
0: for the, the new covenant, covenant
1: to, to be the, the, <coughs> the, the, the <coughs>
0: one sacrifice for all time for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood so that we could be forgiven. Thank you that although our sins are as red as scarlet, that through your blood you've washed us as white as snow. And we take this cup in remembrance of that. Let's take it together. So as your people have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, I pray that our hearts would be set to follow you with a great sense of joy and urgency this year and for as many days as you give us. I pray that our feet would turn from following our own ways and following your ways.
1: And then we do that, we make that turn without delay
0: We'd be hasty to to follow you, and where that urgency doesn't exist, I pray that you supernaturally created us. Uh, If you don't do that work, then there's nothing in ourselves. Our motivation will surely and quickly wane, but what's impossible with us is possible with you. We love you. We thank you for the grace that you've shown us, and we look forward to the day. We're we'll to see you face to face, and I pray that we would be as this song declares a church, a bride, a people prepared for you, living for you all orderly. In Jesus' name, amen.